welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everybody, this week I'm joined by Mimi Billing, and she is a senior reporter at Sifted, and she writes about European health tech and innovation. Now actually uh, going on maternity leave, so she uh, managed to spare some time in her busy schedule. To, uh, to give us this before she went off on maternity leave but it was a super interesting conversation as you guys know I write for Forbes as a contributor so uh, by no means a staff writer like Mimi is for Sifted but we had a great chat about all things healthcare and health tech journalism I think there's loads in here for uh, startups that are looking to get some press coverage or get written about or I suppose just to know how you can be interesting to those in the journalism world. Yeah, loads to enjoy. Go on and get into it. So Mimi, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing? Fine. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's great to be talking to you for the first oh, time very ever. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, right? You're very welcome. We've certainly mixed in similar circles and I've uh, I've read so much of what you do. Um, so it's good to, it's good, definitely good to finally connect. Whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, Mimi? I'm actually, I'm based in Stockholm in Sweden. And oh, so I'm, uh, you know, I mean, the rest of the world is kind of not working from an office, but I'm actually sitting in a co-working space. Are so you? we, yeah. Yeah, so we have a little bit of a different uh, ways of tackling the COVID crisis, I suppose. But, Very um, interesting. Yeah, but it's my last day here because I'm also eight months pregnant, so I should probably be working from home anyway. Oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so listen, the way, the way we start these podcasts is that we get you to tell your story. And so... Obviously, we, we or most of us listening will have read your stuff on Sifted and uh, the things that you do for the health tech space now. But uh, yeah, tell us, the, tell us the story of how you got here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, the older you get, the longer the story, right? But, <laughs> but, uh, so true. Well, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I kind of didn't get into journalism, uh, I mean, until 2012. So before that, I used to actually live in London for 10 years. Oh, um, right. Yeah, you know, you did the kind of high school in Stockholm, and then you move over to London and studying and so on. Uh, but um, so when I started getting into journalism, I've always been interested in, in uh, I mean, the kind of the normal problems of the world. I mean, both in, I mean, if it's health tech or if it's to do with poverty or economics, I mean, it's just so much to write about, right? So, I mean, I was doing that more in general terms for a few years. And then I was called up by uh, this um, uh, founder of uh, DI Digital, which is this uh, tech site in Stockholm. And he was starting talking to me whether I, if I wanted to join them. And he was start mentioning like VCs and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I have no idea. <laughs> yes. So that was like in 2015. Uh, so I joined anyway, because I mean, startups are great. And I think what I really like is the kind of the entrepreneurship and the way that we can actually find solutions to the things. And we're not, I mean, that's the kind of greatest, right? Because I used to work for Accenture for, uh, well, two years. I mean, it wasn't really my thing. Hmm. But I mean, 
change is really cool in some way <laughs> so i mean and the whole kind of startup scene is all about change right so i got into that and started writing for this um, tech site in stockholm and uh, obviously that was also around the same time as lots of health tech startups started and um, in sweden it was mainly like min doctor which is a telemedicine startup and also kry which is called mm. livy i think in the yes, uk it is. And, it is. yeah and uh, they i mean they were obviously competing with each other and uh, and as working for a tech site which also have had competitors in stockholm i mean we're a small city but we still have two pretty good tech sites <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of you know you kind of got, got to know the the ceos of these companies and uh, and what they were about and what they tried to change and i i found that really interesting so um, i kind of followed those and and others uh, in this space until i started at sifted um in i think it was january 2019 for two years ago wow so that's kind Very of how cool. I got into health tech, but then obviously in Europe it's so much bigger and greater. I mean, it's uh, I mean you yeah. you based in in London, right, or in the UK perhaps. So you would know then then that I mean health tech in uh, in other countries <laughs> like in Great Britain. I mean it's uh, it's huge. Yeah, it is. There's uh, there's there's lots. There's definitely lots of things going on and. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you about it because I think you've now got this European view, um, pan-Europe mm. view, whatever you want to call it, for with, with the work at Sifted. But before we get into that, do you want to tell our listeners, for those that might not know, a bit about Sifted and how that relates to the Financial Times and things like that? Yeah, sure. I mean, Sifted, uh, some people think it's part of Financial Times because it's always says it's backed by Financial Times. Mm. And so... Financial Times uh, is a, an investor, uh, so we are a startup company, like many. Oh, interesting. Other I didn't yeah. even know that. No, so we are a completely standalone piece of media, and uh, but we do have investors like the Financial Times, but also uh, other investors um, such as uh, I don't know if you even know it, but the same investors as. Uh, um, for Voy, for example, and for, I mean, this, so, so we do have um, invest, angel investors across Europe and so on that are, do believe in, in Sifted. And uh, when we started off, we were really kind of, we wanted to become this site that could, in comparison to uh, uh, TechCrunch, for example, we wanted to go more in depth and understand the startup community and and to see how Europe can be could be seen as one entity in some way and how we could uh, try to bridge um, the areas between, for example, health tech startups in France with the ones in Sweden and the ones in the UK to to try to. Uh, I don't know, strengthen the European tech community in comparison to, I mean, similar to how it is in the US, perhaps. And it's easier, obviously, when you have one language, one set of rules mm -hmm. and so on. But that was our main kind of, uh, uh, well, what we wanted to, um, to uh, create. That's so cool. So you're a startup yourselves, which is why I suppose you can understand and write about the startup community so well, particularly yourself from a health tech point of view, right? 
Yeah, I suppose. I mean, but also when I started the digital, uh, when I started when I started at the digital, uh, it was that was also run like a startup. So <laughs> when I started yeah. shifting, I was like, oh no, not again, <laughs> 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 because in some way, I mean, as everyone knows, working for a startup. Right. When you start the kind of journey once again, and you're trying to bring oh, your yeah. experience and trying to, uh, you know, tell people around you like, well, maybe we shouldn't do this because I mean, everyone needs to do it in their way. But everyone needs to fail in some way. Right. And it's really hard to learn from other people's mistakes. And yes. I find that that is probably so common also in the startup sector, because obviously we have lots of serial entrepreneurs probably listening as well. and. And they know, but do they co-founders co, uh, you know, co know the mm. same, have they the same experience and how hard it is to actually, I mean, perhaps also being, that can probably makes us more negative, maybe. I mean, less, more pessimistic to actually <laughs> to do the same thing because like, well, it didn't work last time. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose if you extrapolate that to, I suppose, the journalist view, you know, all the startups that you've ever covered and I suppose mm. you, you'll have a view as to how many of those have uh, succeeded and failed and, and, and different things. I suppose that when you start looking at it through that lens, it does it does hit you with a bit of pessimism. It's interesting because, you know, I I I do a bit of writing, as you know myself, you know, for Forbes, I'll try and put out an mm. article every month, something like that. But you know, it's interesting, you know, the amount of people that get in touch with, you know, the the next best thing, the next big thing, all that type of all that type of thing. You end up doing quite a lot of due diligence on these companies because sure. it's a it's a platform and you know, if you're going to give them that time and that space and 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 that that voice on something like you know shifted or port, you know, it, I, I feel like it it is our duty to do that due diligence. But it's interesting, isn't it, when you start doing that doing that work and looking at the company behind the scenes because you'll know you've worked in startups, you'll be able to to kind of analyze them and all the rest of it. And yeah. I've been in accelerators and done and done the same thing, having to critically appraise them. It's it's a very very similar process, I think that that goes on because. I suppose if you're anything like me, you only want to give that that voice to to the ones that are good, to the ones that are the Definitely. best, to the ones that are trying to make the world a better place and 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 doing it for the right reasons and that type of thing. And yeah, it's it, it's interesting. Do you enjoy that side of the job, that kind of yeah. due diligence on the companies I, and things like that? I do, and I think that's a real worry that sometimes you write about a company, and uh, I remember that from one of my colleagues who wrote about a company and. And other people got in touch with him saying, well, that company is crap. Oh, really? <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, now I know. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but it's really hard, isn't it? And, and sometimes I'm so uh, envious of all the VCs out there because they are sitting with like, I mean, they have much more data on these yes. startups than we yes. ever see. And they can make decisions much easier than we can. And still, we are supposed to be the kind of analytical voice that actually gives us the, the true, uh, you know, the true feelings mm. about these startups. And I mean, wow, my job would be so much easier if I could just uh, get all the data I wanted from these startups. But usually, it's a, it's, they're not it's very a good open. Point. About it's a it. good point. It's a good point. And actually, I suppose to there, there will be many entrepreneurs listening. I'm very, you know, many people in startups that are looking to get coverage. I think it is an important point here that. I suppose if people are going to get in touch with you, you know, wanting coverage and sifted, 
is there value for you in, and I suppose this is a bit of a loaded or leading question, um, is there value for you in, in not just sending the usual press release where it just says, our amazing company has done an amazing thing. We are so mm. amazing. There is nothing wrong with us. We have no competitors. And you could definitely write about us because we're so amazing. Well, I mean, because <laughs> for me, it's very easy to see through pressure releases like yeah. that. Whereas I think the, the ones that I tend to see that I end up looking at and listening to are where it's normally some, you know, a founder of the company that's, that's got in touch with us or, or someone representing them that actually just adds a real kind of like normal, honest voice ahead of the press release that mm. just that, that gives a bit of commentary and things like that. I mean, how, how, how do you decide well, what to write I mean, about? I think it's, uh, it's interesting because obviously, I mean, funding rounds can be pretty tedious both to write about and also, I mean, yeah. surely we, we have all seen those stories. I must admit they're easy to write about though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, they are. I mean, get past an editor, I mean, eh, Mimi? Like it's a big, big, <laughs> big headline, you know, e easy numbers to write. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do like them somewhat because I think that they, in some way, they show where the company and how the company is doing, right? Yes. So it's not completely unimportant. But I, I was just writing about, um, I mean, because sometimes I don't only write about uh, health tech, I sometimes write about the Nordics too. So I was writing okay. about this last mile delivery startup, right? That's an example. And and uh, they didn't really have, I mean, they had time for interview, but not the CEO and so on. And they were sending this kind of, very positive uh, press release about when and they did say that they're going to do international expansion and going to invest more in sustainability and i was yeah. like well, okay so which countries are you going to expand into and what are you doing for sustainability i mean those are two and there was nowhere else obviously yeah. it was if it, it wasn't said in the kind of press release what sure. they were going to do <laughs> so sure. and and the numbers I first got back then was, I mean, because I, I got also some sustainability data for only for Sweden, but I know that they were in other countries. And that's like, well, you obviously, you want to show the journalist the best numbers that you have. Yeah. But, I mean, if you are a little bit into due diligence, you probably ask, well, how, how does it look in other countries, in other markets? So I did, and, and that didn't look well at all oh, <laughs> I mean, in the same way. But I mean, that means that, yes, and now I know what they are about. They're trying to be more sustainable, but they're not actually there yet. But at least they're open to me about it and they're giving me the numbers, even if they look, they look pretty bad. And then we can have this relationship moving on. And the next time, I mean, they can trust me because I'm going to write about it in a certain way. I'm going to be very honest. But also I can trust them. So mm. we're going to have this probably much better relationship moving moving on. So I really like that, actually, I, I, because I think, you know, the, the media industry or the whatever you want to call it, um, it's not associated necessarily or journalism. It's not associated necessarily with those two words that you mentioned there, relationships and trust. No. I think that's a really nice way of doing it because if you're anything like me you don't you don't want to put out a negative story like it's not a nice thing to do it's not it's not enjoyable it's not it's not great like it might be good journalism if people really need to to know something but at the mm. end of the day you're i mean I, I tend to try and see the best in in everyone that's trying to do a good thing in health tech right so i think i think that's absolutely right i, I think perhaps people might be afraid to speak to journalists about putting a foot wrong and things like that and feel like they have to yeah. put their best foot forwards but it sounds like from what you're saying, you'd actually much rather just build that build that relationship with people and 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 have them be honest and 
and yeah it's nice you know relationship well, going forwards like that yeah i mean failures doesn't have to be a bad thing if you learn yeah. from them and move on and also i think that what we have as a, a kind of a core mission if you were right about startups and right about i mean health tech or any other is to show where people has fa have failed hmm. and so other people and other startups can learn from that and i think it's I mean, it's all great to talk to journalists when things are going well, but as soon as <laughs> things are going bad, I mean, when you put the lid on, I mean, it's not going to make me less interested. <laughs> so it's you're a true make... journalist at heart, whereas I'm a hobby writer, right? So I just want to be nice to everyone. And... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do. I do actually find that uh, the stories that I can, uh, that I can get, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I really, really, I do have a great, I think, relationship with many health tech startups as well. And I think that, well, even if even if I'm going to dig something out and find something bad for them, I mean, they, they're going to be able to comment on it. And I mean, in the end, I mean, surely it's better to to be able to explain yourself mm. than just uh, I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, sure, and to have that opportunity and for it to be the reality, yeah, I, I totally get it. Rather you than me is all I say. It's just yeah, exactly. I like, <laughs> but you know, that's <laughs> that's journalism, right? And that is super yeah. interesting. I mean, what? So, what are the what are the types of stories that you do like to to either find or or that you enjoy writing about? Or do you, do you tend to do? Is it more recent news? Is it features? I mean, what type yeah, of things no. do you do you prefer? I mean, I, I do like the, <laughs> as you were saying, I mean, I do like the easy, easy pieces sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's nice, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm just right now writing a, a, what I thought would not be that difficult, but I'm writing a piece about longevity and realize that that is actually really in depth and hard. And, and I mean, I didn't know that much about it beforehand. So I should probably, you know, afterwards, you feel like I'm never going to write about this again. I did the <laughs> same mistake with neurotechnology. And there was also, wow. I mean, yeah, wow, that's really hard to understand. And I mean, so if maybe if I had a kind of more health uh, experience from the past or something like that, I mean, maybe I would understand things better as well. But that could also be an advantage because since I don't understand it, <laughs> maybe our readers don't understand it either. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, so the, the kind of in-depth pieces are really interesting because then you can also show on bigger trends. And um, I mean, I did write a piece uh, on some criticism that VCs had about the telemedicine sector. Um, and I, I found that really interesting. It's really interesting because I mean, in some way, telemedicine is uh, one of those uh, sectors that are really kind of, uh, I mean, bo both pushed the boundaries and done really well for themselves. But also, I mean, they're not making much money, uh, obviously, mm. because it's, uh, it's, it's regulations involved with all health tech. And it's just that, I mean, will they manage in the same way as they have done during 2020? Will they manage in the same way 2021? I mean, perhaps, perhaps not. And I think that what we journalists we need to do is sometimes just dig a little bit in those kind of sectors that seems to be doing very well to actually see that, well, they are, they, they have some difficulties too, mm. <laughs> because uh, obviously, I mean, I mean, how can all these telemedicine startups actually manage? I mean, is there, good point. Is, is there enough for them? And, and, when the prices of each kind of consultation actually is the 
gets smaller and smaller. I mean, will they? Well, I don't know. I, I think perhaps maybe some of them will do really well and will continue to grow, whilst others will have to either be acquired or. Well, know, it seems to be that in telemedicine there will have to be some consolidation, certainly. Yeah. Um, for for it to as you say continue to work and for the business models to work i i, I do agree but it's, it's interesting there having a a little view into your into your process and actually looking at a sector that that is seemingly doing very well and digging a little to see is it actually working it's it's so funny because in a similar way that you've just talked about telemedicine i've had a, a couple of conversations recently about remote monitoring in that people have said something very similar, which is remote monitoring has been around for like a decade. Why isn't it being, why isn't it at scale just part of everyday life in healthcare? Like surely there's something yeah. fundamentally wrong with it or the way that it's being implemented or something. Like why isn't remote monitoring actually working? So I've been having a few conversations about this at the moment, just to, mm-hmm. I suppose, step into my investigative uh, shoes to try and uh, try and investigate it in the same way that you've looked at telemedicine just to just to have a think about it and just to try and find out some answers but it's it's there's definitely it's, it's it's interesting but yeah. so do you do you do you find that kind of investigative element interesting do you enjoy yeah, that part of I, your job actually i find it interesting because sometimes i'm not even into the investigative mode mode but i'm just um uh, people are talking to me, I interview people and they yes. give me ideas. And it's like we're saying with like people being uh, remotely, uh, you know, being, uh, what do we call it again? Sorry. Remote monitoring. <laughs> Thanks, remote monitoring. I mean, I spoke to someone who's like 82 year old who, uh, who started this company doing that. And he was like, well, we old people, we don't want to be monitored. <laughs> He started a company at 82. Yeah. That is amazing. He's a story in himself. Yeah, he was. He became a story in himself as well. But but obviously, I mean, it's like, well, do we actually ask old people what they want and if they want to have a bracelet or something, an alarm button? I mean, it's it's something about it because we don't really want to, right? So if Mm. we are under the age of 50, you don't want to... I mean, you don't, you're not a dog, right? It mm. has a GPS on it. Yeah. Um, obviously, we do have a GPS on ourselves because we have <laughs> mobile phones nowadays. Yeah. But, but anyway, uh, so I think it was really interesting that he was like, well, we, you want to have a system that doesn't actually make you feel that the people are like checking in on you all the yes. time. And I think that's usually, I mean, the problem is perhaps that when you do a startup, and you believe that you have the solution, but you actually perhaps have a solution to a problem that you don't ha- you haven't experienced yourself. I yeah, yeah, no, very interesting. And actually, uh, I suppose when when you're doing the due diligence on on their market, you you often come across the the, the critics as well, right? I think it's it's almost I, f- I feel like when I'm doing that sort of due diligence, it's almost easier to come across the critics than it is for the startups themselves sometimes. Because if you're the the founder of the company or the entrepreneur or someone that is super passionate and believes in it, mm-hmm. and you're going around asking people, do you think this is a good idea? I'm sure they're a much better salesperson for the idea than I would be. And so when I end up, you know, speaking to different people about what they think of it, uh, it's it's probably easier for me to find the negative feedback than it than it is for them, which I think it which I think is interesting and and 
and, and definitely an interesting side of, of the job, you know, because, you know, for me, it's not, it's not a job. It's not a profession. It's not what I'm trained in. It's, it's nothing like that really. It's, it, it's just for, for me finding interesting things and writing articles on them. Yeah. But I think, I think for someone like yourself that has, that has got that, that, that journalist's desire to find the truth, I think it, it is such an interesting uh, it's such an interesting process that that process of interviewing people to um, to, to get expert opinion. Yeah. And I'm just going to sort of address a bit of an elephant in the room, which is, I suppose, that there'll be a lot of people listening that will be thinking kind of, how do I become that expert in the room? How do I become the trusted person for a journalist? Or how do I, I mean, the other side of it will be, you know, how do I get my startup into, into sifted or how do I get my startup into whatever? Mm-hmm. There'll be, there'll be that as well. Um, but for you, I mean, you must have a, a circle of trusted people that you go to for opinion and thoughts and, and as part of your due diligence process. So who are who are those people and, and how, how would you what advice would you give for someone that wanted to be a, a trusted person for a journalist? I think it's really hard because I, I think both of you, you kind of want to uh, both get the non-expert opinion about it. Uh, and for that, I mean, That's a good point. I mean, even like talking about telemedicine, I, I got into a, a long discussion with my sister for lasting an hour discussing wow. the Swedish telemedicine because she's really aggressively against them. Interesting. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, come on. And she, I mean, this is just interesting because she was like, no, because they are making our health system in Sweden much more Americanized. And I was like, what are they? I mean, and, and, and she's not actually in any way a tech person right and i think that's that's the kind of voices we need as well the people yes. who are outside of our system because we are like in the i mean you know all the vcs have an invested interest as well as well as the startup community as well as the tech experts so but for experts i do go to quite a few vcs hmm. and uh, i found i mean you can always when you're reading my articles, you can almost like find them because I do have one in, in Germany now that I've been listening to a lot because mm. obviously, I mean, Germany is uh, changing a lot in the health uh, tech system and so on. So that's interesting. So they, they've been really good. And also I have, a, I mean, I do have a few uh, people both in telemedicine in Sweden, but also, I mean, people in VCs and so on in the UK. I mean, I think it's really, it depends on who is actually helping you answer the questions that you have. I mean, in some way, it's so nice just to email someone and say like, what do you know about longevity and how interesting is this? And then you just have, to, they can just be like, well, we can talk for half an hour about it. And then they take the time to discuss a subject that they are much more, well they know much more about than I do Mm. and it doesn't mean that they're going to get quoted but it means that they're going to give me something and I will always keep them in mind for the next time something comes up that it's maybe even more down their kind of um, Mm. interest route or whatever and moving away from kind of the becoming the expert, I suppose getting getting written about is obviously something that most people at some point would like to get for themselves or their company or whatever it is. How do you choose what to write? You, know, you must get sent. I mean, I can't imagine what your inbox is like in terms of how many press releases and things that you're sent. I mean, how, how do you choose what to write about? 
Yeah, this the, the, there is a there is a correct answer to this, obviously. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would say that this is. I mean, this is probably not the correct answer. This is the, the answer that is true for me, and I think for many others. But I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in like bio, tech, pharma, whatever. If you have something, if you're doing something that is. Ex- extraordinary and really interesting and everyone wants to read about then I would like to write about it but if you are in all those areas and not doing that but are really niche and and doesn't touch on the topic of humanity in some way do you see what I mean then I I probably won't want to to write about you I mean of course it's so is it fair to say it's sort of it's it's tied to uh, the level of impact that it's making or or perhaps the ambition or something like that there has to be something extraordinary about yeah. it is that it, what you're it saying does almost because i mean you have to be able to show something at least i mean yes i can write about babylon health it's not extraordinary uh, sure. but they have been around so long and they are an instant company because what they're doing what they're saying and so on i mean if you are a completely new telemedicine startup i I mean, why would I write about you when you, there's so mm. many others there that have that people are much more interested in? So yeah, it's a good it's a good it's point really, actually. It's a good point yes. because I think um, I think for something like for, for obviously something like Sifted that's got a huge reach, you you want to write articles that are going to be relevant to that audience. You want as many people in the audience to be interested in the news as possible. Mm. And I think that's that's I suppose the actionable advice here for people that are you know, emailing you with story ideas or press releases, which is that at the end of the day, it needs to be extremely interesting to the vast audience of Sifted because that, I suppose, is how the performance of the articles is measured, quite frankly. You know, we all we all have metrics that we're uh, we're measured on, right? And I think, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, indeed. KPIs, you know. (laughs) Well, I mean, but this is good for people to know, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if you can be open about that stuff, I mean, is that the sort of thing that that you're measured on? I was uh, fuming for a few months ago, actually, because we decided to start counting every <laughs> single journalist, how many clicks we got oh in each God. month. And uh, I mean, you can imagine being a journalist. I mean, we're, I mean, we're maybe not the kind of salespeople as yeah. uh, uh, I, I am actually kind of a salesperson, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't, I still don't want to be measured on, on those yes. things. So, um, but uh, I mean, you, you, you get to terms with it and then all of a sudden you can see it more as a game and you'd be like, well, am I actually doing better this month than last month mm. and so on. But uh, I mean, for that, I can say that, well, health tech is not always great because I mean, if I were writing about FinTech, God, my numbers would be up all the time. Interesting. Right? Um, because I mean, we have a smaller health tech. It's a smaller community. sector. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, so. But but that means also that when you're contacting a journalist writing about health tech, I mean, just try to put yourself in, in, in that person's shoes and be like, well, what is it that this person can actually write about, which will be uh, well read in some yes. way. And also, I mean, it doesn't always have to be about your company. I mean, I think it's like we spoke about relationships before. Mm. And I think it's really... I mean, I've heard really quirky facts about things happening in health tech and so on that I can use. And I mean, the reason why I write about longevity is probably because 
yeah, it was someone who actually got in touch and, and was mentioning it. And I was like, that's really interesting. I, or, and I, you know, or I read an article and it's like, I want to live to 200. I mean, how <laughs> do I do that? <laughs> and anyway, so actually, yeah. I was trying to find those small things that makes it like, well, actually, did you know this? Mm. And that can can be the spark of both a relationship, but also, um, you know, great reports down the line. But it just, you know, you just need to kind of find a way in, I suppose. Yeah, it's another good point, because actually, when you think about healthcare technology, if framed in the correct way, it can be super interesting to anyone because we all have health to look after. We all have ill health where, where we need looking after. Like we all, it's, it's something that we largely that we can all relate to. So yeah, okay, you might not want to put out a press release on your latest ISO one, two, three, four, five, whatever. Like it's not going to be as interesting to the, to the wide population. But as you say, you know, if if you've got technology that can arguably help you live to 200 and you can see here for the listeners, how Mimi finds headlines, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> the clickbaity headlines is going to drive the metrics up, but I joke, but it is an important point. You know, when, um, yeah. when, when I do my Forbes stuff, you know, we're measured on the same stuff. You, you, you we might not be, um, hired or fired off the back of it, but the point is, is that the numbers are there and, you know, I did, it's interesting. I, when I first became a contributor, I actually looked up because um, I probably can't disclose exactly how, how you are paid if you are paid, but um, you're paid beyond a certain threshold, basically. Um, and what I did was I looked at all of the articles that contributors had written on Forbes. And I sat for like half a day and just basically created a spreadsheet of like what the headline was and uh, how many how many clicks it got, how many views it got. And I noted these like, and I looked at health tech, I looked at loads of other things and, and had a look at the sector and bits and bobs, but mainly focused on, on, on the health tech ones. But you could see that the writers, what they'd done is whenever they had the name of a celebrity in mm. the headline, it was 10x, like 10 times the amount of views just for sticking the, a celebrity name in there. So that was something, if it was, um, if it was something extremely relatable. So it was not kind of health tech specific. It was more kind of consumer. So for example, like here's the five diseases you'll catch on, on your next flight, something like that. And it was like really consumer focused, but really relatable. So, and it started to give me a real idea of, ah, this is how you write headlines. Mm -hmm. This is how you write articles to get views. And this is what appeals to the wider readership and things like that. So it is uh, it is very interesting, I suppose, in the in the digital world that we, we can be measured on this stuff. The problem is that most journalists, me included, are rubbish at headlines. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I am absolutely rubbish at it, and I would say, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that, but my, my well, my sure. editors are not always great at it either. I mean, because <laughs> I mean, we, because we have so many things to do, right? And we're like, okay, let's focus. So, I mean, I can still I can be completely honest, say like I I do often ask my boyfriend who's much better at that and has been Fair enough. Too, Good and be like what what is the headline for this and <laughs> I, I mean it's just like it, it's sad and and so on but it's just like that we are now i mean that also means that our journalism might be uh, struggling too because if we're only going to write about those kind of things that are going to get clicked i mean are we are we actually writing about this important stuff well and i think it has to be a balance doesn't it and i think you're right i think yeah. um I, I think for, for people like yourself, 
yourself who is you know somebody who is a you know purebred journalist who you know I'm sure you have that passion for finding the truth that journalists do I think it is it would be soul destroying for for someone like yourself to literally just be writing articles for clicks right I think Mm. to make that job worthwhile for you you've got to then write about the interesting stuff and go deep on topics and do that investigative bit and I think for your own sanity, if nothing else, which I'm sure makes you a better journalist overall, which I think, you know what, when you think about the long game, when you think about a career in journalism and and being well-respected enough to drive um, the, those views and, and jobs and all the rest of it, I think yeah, you, have, you have to lean into the stuff that you actually enjoy, which, you know, is the, is the important stuff, right, I think as well. But I think... In, in the world that we live, the, the advice that I'd give to the, to the people that are looking for coverage is that, yeah, bear in mind that this is how people are measured. This is how journalists yeah. are measured and, and to actually to think about it in both of those different ways, I think. But hopefully, I mean, because obviously Sifted has grown uh, quite a lot since it started. Mm. And I mean, we've been trying to do this kind of in-depth pieces and trying to really focus on the kind of community, not just doing this kind of clickbait stuff because yes. of where we don't, I mean, nothing against Business Insider, but we don't want to be the kind of clickbaits yes. uh, of Europe. We want to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully, I mean, in some way, people will will respect that too. And mm. But I mean, as long as people click <laughs> on the clickbait stuff, I mean. What's <laughs> the idea of coming on the podcast? Maybe there'll be a few more people that follow you. But no, that's what, but on a serious note though, that, that's what I liked about that telemedicine article that you wrote. Because for, for me, for someone very much in the sector, very much I can appreciate a well-written piece when it's in front of me. I can appreciate the amount of work that went into doing an article like that. I appreciate also the fact that you have my respect doing things like that because it's going to rub some people up the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And actually to have the courage of your conviction to actually go and write, you know, certain things in there and, you know, to be able to stand up and say, look, this is this is the truth that I found and I'm going to present it exactly how it is. You, you absolutely have my respect and the respect of other people in the sector for doing so, because I think people like me who are, I suppose, more hobby writers that are just going to find the, the, the good in everything, because, you know, why would we would just want to piss people off when we're not getting paid, I suppose. <laughs> um I guess it, it's it's less it's less my role to do that. It's more it's more yours. So you definitely have my, like my respect, and I can guarantee you have the respect of people in the sector because only then are you going to be able to hold people to the right standards. Because isn't that the role of journalism to find the truth and show it to the public in order to protect standards and protect integrity and to show up hypocrisy and to do all those things? Because I think you are trying to find the truth in the sector, and I think as we go on as health tech is maturing more and more, it strikes me that there's going to be an increasing role for that. You know, the amount of times that you and I will both be in conversations with start with startups that are saying them over there haven't necessarily got their regulation in place properly. We've been spending our time doing it there. You know, that's a bit of a shell corp. That's a bit of this, this bit of, yeah. you know, we hear this stuff all the time. Right. And I think yeah. there's going to be a point where we, we don't want, the trust to disappear between the public and health tech because if we're going to move things forward if we're going to make the healthcare sector better technology is going to have to play a big role now if the if the wrong technology if bad technology if technology without regulation is is allowed to go forwards and uh, you know allowed to prosper if you know all your telemedicine example you know if the wrong business models are allowed to to keep going without being called out well where does that leave us in the long run and i, I think 
there is an extremely important role for 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 journalism like yourself uh journalists like yourself sorry and journalism in that, I think, in that yeah <laughs> i i do think that i mean for for the journalism of health tech or startups in uh, in a general as well i mean these companies that we talk about they will be the ones that actually are are in some ways changing the way that we one use health and to I mean preventive care the whole kind of ecosystem of health is in the hands of these startups because yes. in some way when they grow up when they grow older and so on <laughs> uh, I mean absolutely when when are we going to shift because I mean I spoke to someone else as well and said like well actually who said to me we should actually be nice to startups we should be treating them well because they're small and they're, mm. they don't have any power and i'm like well actually they will have power and these companies that we talk about have actually received millions and millions yes. of, of euros in, in, in yeah. vc cash and, and with that comes responsibility is that yeah. you know the, that point that you're making like oh, yeah that's a very it's a very good point you're hardening me up to the startups maybe <laughs> I'm going to start writing some terrible articles now about how awful they are. <laughs> no, I mean, I do love the startups and I think that they are a solution. But no, I, they still, are absolutely I, not. I still think that, I mean, you know, we, we shouldn't be too blue-eyed to say that, well, they're small. You, you're absolutely right. It comes, it comes back to that due diligence point, doesn't it? And it comes back mm -hmm. to us being, being because this was one of the first things you talked about on here, right? The, the fact that I think we, we know all of this stuff that we've now just talked about. And I think that's why we're probably going to lean into the due diligence side a bit more. And I think I, I, I definitely get the impression that some people get really annoyed with some of the questions that I go back and ask them um, because <laughs> they just think you're only, you're only, you're meant to just say that you like it and write about me. <laughs> you're not meant to ask me all these difficult questions about like my quality management system. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, I'm, I can't really, I can't really peddle a, a decent, uh, a decent software company without knowing that stuff like you, you need to know the whole picture i mean that's the thing right if yeah you know the whole picture we can we can analyze it and we can report on it if oh, if, we, if you don't get it i mean so glad you said it yeah so i mean I, and i think that's actually really nice for those health tech startups out there that doesn't have anything to hide and is doing things by the book yeah i mean do i mean and and show it and go out yeah. there and tell journalists we can say everything we have we um, just we need also... a really clickbaity headline for like, here's a startup <laughs> that spent two years speaking to nobody and getting their quality management system sorted. They've got, the, they've got CE mark. They've got all this stuff. They've never, they've never done anything exciting, but <laughs> we just need no, a, a exactly. headline which makes well, people want to read about that. Well, I can also say, well, you can always talk about uh, your colleagues or not colleagues, but your uh, competitors that are not doing that. <laughs> And then maybe they get oh. the, you know, uh, headlines, but, uh, you know, negative ones. Oh, I mean, I just think go. that, I think we just you, need you to be, be more open. <laughs> That's all. Either that or, or ring up Mimi with an anonymous tip off. <laughs> Uh, yeah. about a about one of you better not that I'm advocating that just to be very clear um but listen so one one for, I suppose a final question for me would be your pan Europe in every one that you write about which are the exciting countries across Europe for you right now and you're not allowed to say Sweden <laughs> so imagine you're gonna say Sweden <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let's no, just accept that Sweden are exciting which other yeah, which other companies yeah. are exciting 
Uh, I would say that, I mean, the UK is, uh, yeah, the UK is interesting because obviously it's uh, it's a big, big country and uh, the NHS X and so on. And it's just interesting to see how they solve things mm. uh, for me. I think that's interesting. But also, I mean, Germany is really interesting, more interesting than the UK right now, because obviously with DIGA, uh, which is this kind of... Uh, trying to subscribe uh, digital health apps and so on uh, to 72 million people i mean those are the ones on the on their kind of uh, insurance policy i mean that's pretty interesting uh, also i would say i've heard that uh, austria is actually working on a similar kind of uh, thing as liga so that would be oh, interesting wow. to look into more and also find um, which other countries. Oh, France is interesting. They are also starting to kind of open up, and and obviously with Doctolib, uh, which is one of the kind of uh, biggest health tech startups in Europe, which still only uh, send out their press releases in French. Ah, <laughs> which is just for me like, I mean, it's such a huge company, and I was like. I got this press release. I was like, I don't, I don't get any of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, but that's also, I mean, that's also interesting because obviously Europe is, um, is, is very different. All the kind mm. of countries have, I mean, one different language, but also different regulations and, two, and three different culture. Yes. So all this kind of things that's happening in in like different uh, parts of Europe could can be really amazing interesting wow. and if we talk about health tech as well we should obviously not forget estonia I right mean, right because they have come quite a long way to actually digitalize the whole system much easier when you are a really small country and when you start from scratch i mean for the rest mm. of europe everyone has really kind of old health systems that needs to be redone which is very very difficult but if you're a small country hasn't had a great system before, you can scrap it all, start again, and it's much, much easier. That's why startups have a much easier to change whole systems too, because obviously if you don't have like a, a software that's been sitting around that's actually, you know, with the purchasing and this and that and everything to stick together, then it's going to be easiest to start wow. new, start fresh. Okay, yeah. that's my take on it. Wow. <laughs> God, there's loads of reading I need to do now on Estonia. Um, <laughs> embarrassingly could not tell you anything that's happening in Estonia from a health tech perspective. Um, but I will certainly go and find out. Uh, there's probably a headline in there about Estonia being some sort of health tech startup. Yeah, you can, you can read about it uh, on Sifted, I think. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. I'll, I'll definitely go there to look for yeah. that stuff. Um, Mimi, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to me about journalism and health tech and, and everything that, uh, that we've chatted about, due diligence and how we you know write about different people and and that sort of stuff. Um, have you got Have you got any asks of our audience? I tend to I tend to ask people this, and whether it might be stop sending me press releases or <laughs> start sending me some others, I don't know. But um, do you have any asks of our health tech audience out here? Yeah, well, I, I suppose I think that it's just a, I can leave it on a note that I mean, if you have a health tech uh, startup and you really really want to be written about, I mean, just think about why you want to be written about, what was the purpose and which media would actually be the best for that because maybe you will do better at a very niche uh, magazine or something like that than actually going for the bigger tech sites. I mean just keep that in mind whenever you want to approach a journalist. Cool. 
Mimi, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's As I say, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.